0: to church I'm so glad that you're here today Labor Day weekend this is when the faithful come out that's right the real soldiers coming out on the holiday weekend we bribed with donuts did you guys get a donut in the lobby no three of you got a donut we had donuts in the lobby they'll still be there I'm sure at the end and and so that would be great So anyhow, um, I'm glad that you're here. I'd like to welcome our guests. If you're a guest with us today, I'm so glad that you're with us. And um, we actually have this uh, card that we'd like to, um, if you are willing to, we'd love to get to know you better. At the end of our service, we're going to do our tithes and offerings. Um, And so if you want to get connected here, your first step to getting connected here is through this little card called the Connect card. And the Connect card, um, you fill this out, you drop it in the, thank you so much. When you drop it in the bucket, when it comes by at the end of the service, and we'll let you know what the next steps are to getting connected around here. around here. All right, well, I'd like to welcome everybody here. Let's like welcome everybody who watches online as well. We know people tune in on the interwebs, and I want to say hi to you too. We'd love to get to know you in person. So if you can come on by sometime, we would love to get to meet you. We'd love to get to meet you. All right. So here we are. We are in week number two of this series that we're calling Losing My Religion. Losing My Religion. Now, I gotta I got say that um, before we get into the message, I wanna tell you about some things in my in my childhood. And, um, and one of the things that, that I experienced growing up, and maybe you did too, is is that I was better at some subjects in school than in other subjects in school. In fact, I was really good at, at math, and, and I did really well at, at science. Um, English and grammar, however, uh, they, they weren't my strong suit. They just weren't my strong suit, right? So, so I, would, uh, I would put in too many double negatives, like we ain't got none, and, and stuff like that. And, and we, I would go to school, and I would, I would struggle in the English department and, and getting my, my, uh, my English grades up. In fact, I can remember distinctly my senior year of high school struggling to get my last grade in, and I thought, oh, no, I may not pass this last class before I need to graduate. I had enough credit numbers, credits. Um, I didn't need any more credit numbers, but I needed this last semester of English. And Mrs. Tuttle, I'm not sure where she's at today. Maybe she still lives here. She was my English teacher here in Albuquerque. And, uh, and so I remember distinctly at the end of the year saying, I, I will do anything, what do you, I will, wh- whatever it takes. The only thing I need to graduate is a passing grade in your class your class. And, and, and she's like, well, I'm not really sure. Maybe you could do this. Maybe you could do that. And, and so I did everything she asked. And, and now my grade was abysmal. It was really, really low. And so I remember distinctly at the end of the year, grades were coming out now back then they would post them on paper on the teacher's door, you know, and so um, class school's done for seniors. I'm sweating bullets. I go down the hall, I find her class, and on there I go down to the Williams. That's at the end. So Williams, comma Matthew, and it says in there that the D minus, and she had taken a pen and wrote minus, minus, minus with a little smiley face next to it. I celebrated like you would not believe. I was running up and down the halls like I'm gonna graduate. I'm going to grow I'm so excited about getting a D minus minus. Have you ever been told that you're not good enough? Have you ever been told you're not good enough? I mean, that's what happened in my English grade is I just felt like I just wasn't good enough to get the job done. It wasn't good enough. Another thing that was interesting is I, I tried out for the basketball team when I was there as well. And you may not know this, but I was a starter um, in in high school, a basketball starter. When I was a freshman in high school, I was a starter on the varsity team uh, for my freshman and sophomore years, and then I transferred into a new school. So in my freshman and sophomore years of high school, though, um, I was at a private school, and there were seven boys in the entire high school. Um... And so my odds were good that I could be a starter on the varsity team, the only team that there was. And, um, and so I got onto the team. I was a starter. In the so I went to Sandia High School here in town, huge school. Um, I get to that school, and, I, and I, I go try out. And I realized that um, the talent pool was significantly deeper um, within the Sandia High School, the public school system that it was in that tiny little private school I was in. I was told that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough for the varsity team or the JV team, or the C team. I wasn't even good enough to be the water boy. And it was like, go find something else to do in life. Basketball is not your, not your thing. It's just not your thing. So many times we've been told that we're not good enough, though. We've been told by, by friends, maybe. We've been told by family members. you have been told by maybe girlfriends, or, boy, or no, ex-girlfriends, or ex-boyfriends now. right? You're not good enough. I got broken up with on Valentine's Day one time by, by a girlfriend when I was in high school. She told me that, Matt, you're just not good enough. You're just not good enough. Here's the thing is, is, is it's kind of funny when you talk about basketball at high school and, and girlfriends and, 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 and stuff like that, but, but here's the challenge is that sometimes we get told that we're not good enough in church. We get told, well, you're not good enough in church. Listen, there is a thing about religious atmosphere and a religious mentality where religion will tell you that you're not good enough. That you're not good, you got to do more, be better, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, and then you might be good enough to be accepted. But you see, that's a religious mentality, and I'm telling you, we're in the series talking about losing our religion. There's some things that sometimes want to attach to us that I want to tell you that Jesus came to set us free from those things. I'm not good enough. You know what? I'm not good enough. But lucky for me, I serve the one who is good enough, and He made a way for me to to be there. And so, I really, I'm not good enough to be a pastor. The fact that I'm standing up here is somewhat scandalous. In fact, the the fact that any of you have the ability to go and preach the gospel, if you think about it, everything you've done in your past disqualifies you from ministering to other people. But Jesus died on the cross. He made a way. He built the thing. His redemption and his... uh, He made the way for us to be good enough, not because of our work, but because of his work. You picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah, so... Sometimes you're just told you're not good enough. Now, my, my kids are really into this TV show, and now I am too. It's called America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent. Some of the fun parts for me in the very beginning, um, when the, the, the judges, um, they have some of the acts that come out on stage are just terrible, right? And, and they have the red X's, and they, they X out the competition. They X out the, the, the acts that are terrible, and, and then they tell them, like, no, you're, you're, not, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. But then they have that, that golden buzzer. Or you hit the golden buzzer and the confetti happens and they get to skip a level or skip a round or two or whatever and they get told like you're not you're not just that you're good enough but but you're did that just flick yeah so um, so you know you're not get to advance another level see Jesus is like that golden buzzer he says listen everybody else might say you're not good enough but, but but I'm telling you that you get to live a life that is more advanced because of what I've done for you not because of what you have done for you this is important. And here's why. It's because you might not feel good enough some days. Religion says that you're not good enough. But Jesus says that you are good enough. You see, your value, any value of any object, and your value is determined by the one who is purchasing that object. The price that is paid for it. Sometimes we think that we're not good enough, and we think that, that Jesus had to haggle the price for our soul like a used car at a car lot. But that's not the case. You see, you are a masterpiece. You are the master's piece. God created you as his masterpiece. You see, here's the difference between a used car and a, and a masterpiece work of art when it goes time comes time to be sold. A used car gets haggled and negotiated, and, and the price goes down, down, down. When you have something that's a masterpiece, a work of art, the price goes up, up, up. They put it in a different room with different buyers. They call it an auction, and the price goes up and up and up. You see, Jesus came down to earth to pay the price for you. He paid the price. He paid the ultimate price, which means that your value is incredibly high because you're worth it. All right, so here we go. That's the setup. If you have your Bibles with you, you can go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. That's where we're going to be starting out today today in the scripture, we're doing something a little bit different as well. I'm changing all kinds of things. I, I know we're living on the edge around here. Um, we we uh, put the offering at the end of the service instead of the middle of the service. <gasps> Mind blown. And then I have notes ready for you on the back of the bulletin that you can fill in the blank. We did this last week. We're doing this again this week and the week after. I'm trying something out. And, and if you like it, let me know. And if you don't like it, let me know. And, and maybe we'll keep doing it. Maybe we won't. If it's helpful for you, I'll keep doing it. But if, but if it's not helpful for you, then, then we'll, we'll go back to the other way that we're doing it. But I thought it might be helpful to have some notes and some blanks for you to, to fill in. And so we put them on the back of the bulletin. So here we are, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Okay, he is Jesus. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. So, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, being Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and 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 Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. It's interesting. You see that Jesus found them right where they were at. They didn't go looking to try to find... Jesus, Jesus found them right where you're at. Isn't that interesting? How even Jesus found you right where you were at, and and in fact, Jesus may be looking for you right now. Maybe you are far from God, and you're here this morning. I want you to know that Jesus will find you right where you're at, right where you're at. And 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 so you look, you say, "Why were they fishermen? Well, because their family business was fishing, right? Obviously, they'd be in fishing. So we got to back up just a little bit, though, because." To understand the context of what's about to happen because when you read this scripture and if you just read it at its face value you're going to miss something Um, and so um, it, it says that well I'm going to read through this we'll come back in verse 19 it says he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men immediately they left their nets and followed him that doesn't make sense does it they're in the family business they're working away some random dude comes walking down the beach and says, hey, yo, come follow me. They're like, sure, I'll abandon my entire family business, drop my stuff, and walk away. Like, like it doesn't make sense, does it? Like, we, I'm like, every time you read that, you're like, I don't understand. Here's, why, here's what you need to understand in order to understand the context of why this happened exactly like it happened. And here's, here's the thing is there was a Jewish school system that was like almost mandatory within that culture. So all of the boys would go to a Jewish school system and they would be taught the first five books of the Bible. They called it the Torah. And and they would actually go on and memorize the first five books of the Bible. It was like a religious education that they were all taught as little boys as they were growing up. As they were growing up, things started to change and, and adjust. See, they started to realize that some kids were better than other kids with this stuff. And so they had, like, breakpoints, like America's Got Talent. They had breakpoints where they said, okay, you can keep going, but you, gotta, you guys got to go home. And you guys keep going, but you got to go home. So the best students went on to the next level, and others, they went home. The dropouts went home to go back to work in the family business. And so the next level up, they would start to memorize the rest of the Old Testament. It's funny, like we, we quote song lyrics from 20 years ago, don't we? Yeah. That song that you haven't heard in like 15, 20 years, it comes on the radio and all of a sudden you're singing it. And you're like, my brain has useless data in it like this. And, and it's all of a sudden, they quoted scripture like that all the time. Their brains were full of it. They were constantly quoting scripture all the time. And so the best of the best got promoted and promoted and promoted all the way through their religious system. And, and they studied under a rabbi to eventually become a rabbi themselves and part of the spiritual elite. The spiritual elite in the, in the community were called Pharisees. The Pharisees were the people who were the spiritual elite amongst them. So all this said, you have these two guys on a fisherman's boat doing the family business, which means they started out in this educational system. And somewhere along the way, they were told, you're not good enough. You need to go home now and go fish in the water. So the idea that a rabbi would come walking by and say, will you drop what you're doing and follow me? That's why they did it. Because in the time it would have been, oh, I don't even, I get to skip a level because I got dropped somewhere along the way. I'm now being called out again as being good enough again. And I'm being called out by a rabbi. And so now it's like, yeah, I'm going to go do this thing because the potential was there for them to become a Pharisee, for them to become a religious leader in the time. That was the implications of when Jesus walked by and said, stop what you're doing, come follow me. It's basically like, hey, you got that rejection letter from that college. And then the college dean walking by and say, Never mind, drop what you're doing and come with me. No problem. I'm going to jump right back into this religious system. I was told I wasn't good enough, but now I have somebody telling me, yeah, I, please drop what you're doing and come and follow me. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So I want you to follow me. You See, Jesus didn't command them. He asked them. It was an invitation to come along. And, and he says this in 19, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Go fish for the others that were also labeled Not good enough. If you've ever been labeled not good enough, I want you to know you're in good company. Everyone here in this room has been labeled not good enough at some point in time in your life. Listen, when we're out looking for people who are lost, who are hurting, who need the gospel, who need Jesus, we're finding people who are not good enough and saying, No, listen, we know someone who says that they want you. They have an invitation for you to come and follow. You see, the reality of not good enough should motivate us to follow Jesus because he will make us good enough. The reality of not good enough should motivate us to follow Jesus because he will make us good enough. It's not by our works that we become good enough. It's, it's through the work of what Jesus did that transforms us and, and elevates us and starts to re- renew us and take us from level to level to level. It's through what Jesus does that does that. And verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Do you think Peter had any idea of what he was stepping into? Think about this. Peter, right? Peter's one of the the biblical heroes of the time. What was he stepping into? There's cathedrals named after him. There's cities named after him. Like, Like people name their kids Peter today. All because of what happened in the past, and and it's now become, Peter's become a very popular name within humanity. I mean, Peter, he was stepping into this thing. I don't think he even knew what he was stepping into. But the impact that he had in the world, not just when he was alive, but the continuing impact that God used him to have massive influence all through the earth, but yet he was labeled not good enough. I'm telling you, if you're labeled not good enough, you're in good company. Jesus still wants to use you. He still calls you. He still invites you. He still welcomes you. If you've been labeled not good enough, you're in a good group of people. You see, Jesus called Peter, he called him out of the natural into the supernatural. He called him out of fishing for fish and into the supernatural, of fishing for men. We're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. And it says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and follow him. You see, Matthew would have been labeled not good enough as well. He was a tax collector. And, and in our context, we think working for the IRS, man, that seems like a decent job. Probably get good pay, federal benefits, you know, like I don't understand the big deal. <laughs> but the, back then, the, the being a tax collector was a completely different story. It was a completely different story. In fact, it was somebody who was working on the unsavory side of business inside of their culture. It would have been somebody who was making money off of their friends and their family and their neighbors. He would have been fleecing people for money. He would have been buffering. He would have said the tax bill was more than it really was so that he could take the extra percentages and line his own personal pockets with it. I don't know who you have in your family that does that, but they're not your favorite person, right? Like, and this guy has been hated by so many people. And yet he would have started off in the Jewish religious school system just like these other guys and he would have had been told at some point you're not good enough and he would have been kicked out and he would have been a dropout and he would have had to go back into his family business. I don't know if tax collecting was his family business or not but he chose kind of one of the worst professions that you could choose at the time. Oh, a little under the weather. My throat's bugging. <clears> throat> You see, Matthew Matthew didn't want to step into mediocrity, so he became a tax collector. You can think about this, right? Matthew was literally in the act of sinning when Jesus said, follow me. He was sitting at his tax booth, stealing money from people under the name of the law. He's literally in the act of sinning when Jesus said, hey, come follow me. In fact, it doesn't say that he stopped doing tax collecting work. I mean, how long did he continue to do tax collecting work before he finally stopped doing the work of the tax collector? Sometimes a religious attitude and religious mentality will say, well, you have like if you're really following Jesus, then you're going to look good and smell good, and, and everything's going to be just right in your life. Sometimes Jesus calls you in the midst of your sin, and as you're following him, he walks you out of that sin. Sometimes it's a process i got to tell you, there are times in my life where I've had miraculous moments in my life and I've seen it in other people's life where in a moment the Holy Spirit does something and sets someone free from something that's been plaguing them and addicting to them all their life. But there's been other times where i watched that God actually helps people walk through a process to get set free from those things in their life. Listen, sometimes people take the hard switch, like a light switch. Sometimes it's a fade that they transition over. I'm telling you, sometimes it's tempting to judge people who are in that fade process and be like, well, you're just not good enough. Well, guess what? Jesus says that they are. So who are you and I to judge that person if Jesus says they're good enough? If Jesus says, come follow me. Listen, I'm following Jesus just like you are. And, and my, my walk with God looks a little bit different than your walk with God because I'm coming from a different place and a different background. It's not a linear line. It's different paths coming from different places, all walking towards Jesus. Listen, we should be encouraging one another to continue to take positive steps in our faith with God. That's why small groups are so important. It's because we get into a small group and then we get people together and we encourage each other to take steps in our faith to be able to reach forward into what God is doing in their life. It should be an encouraging environment. We should be in a place where we're helping each other take steps towards Jesus. No matter how close or far you think you are or are not, those steps are all very important. So Matthew was labeled not good enough. See, Matthew was in the act of sinning when Jesus said, follow me. That'd be like me hiring a drug dealer to be our youth pastor while he's dealing drugs. Right, you know, like he's in the act of sinning. Like I wouldn't do that, just for the record. Just, you know, maybe set the record clear. We're going to delete that from the tape. But, you know, like, it'd be like that kind of level. He's finding someone who's deep in sin in a well, well-known sinning environment and, and calls them to be his disciple. It's crazy. We don't know when Matthew stopped collecting taxes. We only know when he started following Jesus. Hmm. Verse 10, As Jesus reclined at a table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Reclining at the table in the house, that's kind of like the, it's just a hanging out kind of time, eating and, and chilling. And that was what they would do. They would recline at the table. And Jesus was not teaching Bible studies at a church. He was hanging out with sinners. He was hanging out with other tax collectors. So I, I don't know about you, but I got, I got a bunch of sinner friends. I got a bunch of people that I hang out with that aren't followers of Christ. And when you get a bunch of them together sometimes... They do less than righteous activities while they're hanging out together. Right? Jesus is in the room hanging out with a whole crowd of people who are known sinners, who are known people who are not living a righteous, God-fearing, God-honoring lifestyle. They're not doing it. Everybody knows it. Jesus is hanging out in the room with them. You can assume that there are not God-honoring things happening in the room. I would imagine that the vocabulary of these men were on probably the more vulgar, rough side of things. Probably cussing and swearing. Probably saying things they should not be saying. Probably drinking too much wine because that's what they did together. It's probably all these extreme situations you can possibly think of. Jesus is actively, willingly, hey, let's go hang out together, hanging out in this environment with these people. Huh. And verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees are the ones who made it all the way through the religious system. They knew. They knew what the word of God said. It was memorized. They knew that, that they should not be doing the things that those people were doing. But you see, they had Set themselves up in such a way where they had removed themselves from this situation to where they alienated themselves and they, with their own words and their own actions, the Pharisees elevated themselves up to a place where they said, We are better than you because you do those things and we do not. We are better than you because you don't do these things and we do. See, the religious attitude was drawing separation lines inside of there. It was was drawing these things where they basically said, you're not good enough, and I can't even associate myself with you because you are not good enough. And if you want to hang out with me, the, the Pharisees would say, if you want to hang out with me, well, then you have to start acting like me before I can accept you into my circle and into my relationship. Listen, church. The temptation is there that, that in, a, in a quest to, to pursue righteousness and holiness, sometimes we can fall into the trap that is very similar. We won't say that out loud with our mouth, we won't say it, but we will start to take action steps in our life that we start to alienate ourselves from people who are far from God. I wanna encourage you that if you are a follower of Christ here this morning, you should have friends in your life who are not followers of Jesus, who are far from him, so that you can be salt and light into a world that needs you. They don't need us to be isolated and off on our own little island. The world needs us as believers and followers of Christ to be infiltrated into the community so that we can then be salt and light. When Jesus says be salt and light, light doesn't matter if the place is light. Light matters when you go into darkness. And so we've got to be a people that are willing to go into darkness. Jesus modeled this perfectly. He was in this environment and and all the Pharisees around are saying, what are you doing in there? You can't go in there. They're not behaving the right way. You see, religious people don't understand what Jesus is doing. In fact, religious people won't even see their own sin in their life because they're too focused looking and pointing at other people's sin. And other people's lives. Verse 12. But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus came as a physician to heal those who were sick. If Jesus came and only hung out with those who consider themselves righteous and and friends of God, his mission would not have been as effective. And if you were that way, your mission would be less effective. See, the difference is this. You see, in your notes it says this, acceptance. Acceptance does not equal approval. Acceptance does not equal Approval. Acceptance does not equal approval. You can accept someone into your life, into your friend circle, and still disapprove with aspects of their life. You got a family member who's living a lifestyle that you know is wrong and destructive, and maybe they're addicted to something, or, or maybe they're in a super toxic relationship, or, or maybe something's going on in their life to where, to where they, you know that that needs to change because you don't approve of that as part of their life, you can still accept them as a person and still accept them into your family and still love them even though you disapprove of one section of their life. Sometimes we can get stuck where, where if, if one part of their life isn't the way we think it should be or one part of the life may be completely screwed up and be living in sin, that we would take the entire person and we reject them out of our life. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what religion does. Jesus didn't come to establish more rules and more religion. He came to establish a relationship, which means there's an acceptance pattern package that comes with this. Jesus did not approve of the tax collector's lifestyle, but he went and accepted them and so went to their house and ate a meal together. We can be people who are accepting of others, even though we don't necessarily approve with part of their lifestyle. Don't throw the entire person out because one action that they're doing is is inappropriate. And and you don't have to say that it's right. Acceptance doesn't equal approval. Accepting them doesn't mean you approve of everything in their life. Jesus accepted the tax collectors, the whole crowd of them. Number 13, verse 13, go and learn what this means. (laughs) Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This is like, <laughs> this is incredible. And I know if you just look at it at a glance, you're like, I don't understand this. But check this out. So he's talking to the Pharisees who would have memorized the entire scripture. They would know what this is. They would know where it's at in the Bible. They would understand the context that it was. They would not need to go home and study it. They would not need to go find a concordance and find that section of scripture. They would have known. They would have been trained. They would have been built in it. It would be like the song lyrics that are stuck in your head for the last 20 years. This passage of Scripture would have been instantly, when you said it, they would have known everything that there was to be familiar with that passage of Scripture. So for him to say, go and and figure out what this means, is quite insulting when you really think about it. Because they had memorized it. This passage is out of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes says this, right in this passage, it says that there is not one person who is righteous. He's basically telling them, you are telling me I can't hang out with them because they're not righteous. But Jesus is saying, go learn what this means because he's saying, you're not righteous. Listen, every one of us has fallen short of the standard that God set for us. Every one of us has sin in our life, and whether it's major sin in the past or minor sin now, or maybe it's major sin now, I don't know. But we've got this sin issue in our life that we, every one of us deals with. None of us are 100% perfect. None of us are Fully righteous on our own. The only way that we can become righteous is through the act of Jesus. The only way is when we identify with Jesus and say, I follow him, we accept what Jesus has done for us. He then starts to make us righteous through his power, not through our power. Hmm. Which is this there's I got I got three major application points. And number one is this right now, today, I can follow Jesus. Right now, today, I can follow Jesus. My encouragement to you last week was this, and and I want to encourage you with it again, is find something that helps you to follow Jesus and just go do a whole bunch of it. Find something that helps you follow Jesus and just go do a whole bunch of it. Like, like, what is it that, that lights the fire and the passion inside of you for Jesus? What, what is that thing that you have? Go find it and do it. Like, I, and not, not because it's a checklist or rules or whatever it might be, just go do it. For some of you, reading the scripture, just sitting down in silence and reading the scripture right through, that's something that just lights you up on the inside. You get a passion that starts to just come up out of you. For others, Sometimes it's worshiping that starts to do that for you, that starts to light it. For others, it's prayer that starts to do that for you. And and for others, there's different things. And what is it that thing that that when you start to do it, it really starts to light your passion and your fire for Jesus? You see, today, right now, today, I can follow Jesus and you can follow Jesus. Find that thing that lights your fire for Jesus and just go do a bunch of it. Sometimes we have a tendency to put together a checklist of what has to happen, don't we? Like, Like, I don't know about you, but I do this. I'm like, well, I'm gonna get up in the morning, before everyone else in my house, and I'm going to spend 10 minutes with, in my quiet time with God. And I'm going to have 2.5 minutes of worship music, and then I'm going to have 3.7 minutes of prayer, and then I'm going to have this many minutes of, of Bible reading, and then I can check that off of my list. And so I sit down on the couch, and I open up my phone, and I turn on a timer, put on the seconds, hit start, start praying, beep, 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 beep. Oh, all right, next thing. Hit the timer, hit start, get pray, Beep, 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 beep. Anybody else? No? I'm the only one. Okay, but like I put together this list and I want to have a a thing and then then what happens is one day I, I sleep in and I forget about it. So what's the reaction? Well, I didn't do my 10 minutes yesterday so I'm gonna do 20 minutes tomorrow to make up for the 10 minutes of yesterday. I can take spiritual activities and make them religious activities when I start to put weird checklist items and rules around it. Relationship is not like that. What if your relationship with your spouse was that way? You come home from work, you set your timer, and you say, okay, I'm going to converse with you for 30 minutes. Okay, here we go. Let's do it. How was your day? Good. Yeah, mine too. That's great. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, got to go. We're done today. And you will start, like that isn't how relationship works. Relationship isn't a formula or it isn't that way. You start to do things together and that builds your relationship. My wife and I have, and I have things that we like to do together. And that's what stirs our passions and stirs our relationship to be able to be more passionate and more intimate and a better relationship. The more we do those things, the better our relationship gets. The more you do the things that, that stirs your relationship with Jesus, the better your relationship with Jesus will become. So my challenge for you last week is go find some of that and go do a whole bunch of it. My challenge again this week, go find that thing that helps stir your relationship with God and just start doing it. Just do some of it. Don't put a timer on it. Don't make a checklist out of it. Just every day, if you forget a day, okay, just do it again the next day. Don't double up the next day. Just When you think of it, oh yeah, I should do that, you know. Do it. Number two, in his time, he will change me into who I need to be. In his time, he will change me into who I need to be. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I don't like where I am. Sometimes you look in the mirror and you don't like who you are. There are days I don't need anybody to tell me I'm not good enough. There are days that you probably don't need someone to tell you that you're not good enough. You'd probably do a pretty good job on your own telling you that you're not good enough. Sometimes we get so stuck on the gap between where we are now and where we know that we ought to be in the future at some point in time that we lose sight of how far we've come in our walk with God. We lose sight of how far. Listen, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm sure not where I used to be. Like, like when you start walking with Jesus, when you start following Jesus and start doing those things that, that stir up your passion and your relationship with God, when you start to do those things, then all of a sudden you start to realize that you're taking steps in following Jesus and it doesn't feel like a chore anymore. It doesn't feel like a to-do list. It doesn't feel like I have to do this stuff. It just feels like a natural relationship, a natural conversation. And one day you wake up and all of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, God has taken me all of this way. Don't discount yourself. Don't don't look at yourself and say, I'm not good enough. You can look at yourself and say, I know that Jesus thinks I'm good enough. You're good enough for him to lay down his life on the cross and die for you so that you might be back in relationship with him. Jesus wants you. He doesn't tolerate you. He wants you. I, I I, I love my kids and I like my kids. Jesus is the same way. He doesn't just love you because he has to. He actually likes you and wants to hang out with you. It's interesting. you got to embrace the process of life change. You know, God, God has put gifts inside of each and every one of us. God, God has called you to a specific purpose and a plan for, for, for this world. He, God, God has something for you. And so many times we get stuck in the rut of saying, well, we're not good enough. And, and we get so scared of being bad that we don't do anything. You know what I mean? Like, like we, we, we won't embrace the process. Like, like we don't want to take step one because we don't know what step two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten are. Anybody else in the room like that? Like, you look at it like, until I know what all 10 steps are, I don't even want to take step number one. And so you start to think, well, I get scared. Am I going to make a mistake? Am I going to screw this up? And I'm gonna, am I going to be. And they don't even take a step or a process to, to start taking steps in your faith. Listen, I want to tell you that you can just take a step with Jesus and allow Him to work out the details. You can just take a step with Him. See, I'm sick of people failing because they're so scared of being bad, they're so afraid of like showing the world that they're not good at something, that they don't even do it. I don't pray very much because I feel like I'm bad at it and I don't want anybody else to hear me say that. I won't pray in my small group because, because I, I'm just terrible at praying and, and I don't want anybody else to hear. Listen, you got to start somewhere. And even if it is a little bit bad, you got to start somewhere. you got to be able to embrace the process of growth and change that happens in your life. I read the Bible and I think I get some insight out of it. There's times where this happens in your life. Maybe it happens in your life where you're reading the Bible and you, you think you get some insight out of it. And so you go and share. You're like, I want to share this with my friend or my family because God's shown me something in the Scripture. But then you say, well, but what if it's not 100% accurate? I should research every Greek word in this passage of Scripture, understand the full context of everything before I even say one word. Listen, when I started preaching about 14 years ago, I was terrible. I was way worse than today. I was terrible. And, and like I, I messed up all kinds of stuff when I was first started teaching and preaching in the Bible. Listen, you got to get started sometimes and allow God to allow the process to get you through. Sometimes we want to step from obscurity to perfection and, and go from I've never done this before to I'm perfect at this thing. And listen, God wants to work you through the process. you got to embrace the process of change and growth and transformation that happens in your life. But some people will not do anything out of the fear of being bad at something, they won't even do it. What does that cost you? What does it cost you when you just don't do anything because you're afraid of being bad at it? It costs you your life. You waste the time that you have on earth that you could be doing something and, and making a difference and, and following Jesus. It'll cost you your life, it'll cost you your happiness, it'll cost you your friendships. Fulfillment of your purpose. Church, the the world needs what God wants to do through you. The world needs what God wants to do through you. And God needs you to step up to the plate and take a swing. Even if you miss the ball, he just needs you to step up to the plate and take a swing. Start with what he's laid in your heart. God has a dream that he's put in you. Just take that first step. My last and my final point this morning is this. Lasting change can only take place in the context of community. Lasting change can only take place in the context of community. Huh. There's a myth that all I need is just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus, that's all I need. But I I know that's not true because when God created Adam, that wasn't enough, so he created Eve. It wasn't just Adam and Jesus. It wasn't just Adam and, and God. It, they, there was more community that had to be present there. And when, when the, the people ask Jesus, what's the greatest command? And he says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. There's a community aspect to this following Jesus. It's not just me and Jesus. In fact, when you look through the scripture, it's, it's more about we and Jesus than it is about me and Jesus. See, me and Jesus, there's no accountability. Me and Jesus, I can do my own thing and and I can call it good, but when you get to we and Jesus, all of a sudden who God has put you, who God has made you to be starts to become amplified through the people that are around you. That's why you're leading your family together is a good thing. That's why a small group is so critical and so important is because you get into a we situation and all of a sudden you start to see how God will use you to impact other people in such a a radical way. You start to realize that, that the dream that God has put into your heart, the first steps of what you take into what God has done in you and through you starts to come out in that environment. See, change can take place in the context of community because it's a lower risk environment. Lasting change can only take place in the context of community. Be in a place where you are fully known and fully loved. Be in a place where you're fully known and fully loved. If you only see the plastic side of, if people only see the plastic side of you and never the real authentic part of you, you will always feel like people are in love with the fake you and not the real you. You need to be in a place where you can be authentic, where you can show your real colors and be fully known for who you are. We say that circles are greater than rows because in rows, nobody knows. You can come to church and you can be in a row and you can sit here and you can praise the Lord and we can raise our hands and worship and how's life? Life is fantastic. Oh, the Lord is good. And you, you can put in some of the churchy vibes on it. But, but really, maybe your life is falling apart in the, in the background. Who knows? They don't know in a row. But when you get into a circle, when you get into a small group, when you get into a community event, environment, All of a sudden, people can know. They can pray with you. They can support you. They can fight with you. They can they can help you. They can they can really get you and help you know where you're at so that you can keep moving forward. So in closing, I'll ask this where are you where are you in your walk with Jesus? You might feel like, well, I'm just not good enough. Well, we're all gonna fail. We're all going to have shortcomings. We're all going to have moments where we're not good enough. (laughs) But see, Jesus is saying to you today that don't give up. You had a moment where you're not good enough. Okay, let's just keep walking together. Keep following me. He's not giving up on you. So don't give up on him. might be here this morning and you're saying, I'm not good enough. Well, you're right. But Jesus is good enough. And that's the good news of the gospel. Your value is determined by the purchase price. And Jesus paid the highest price for you and for me. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Meaning that the work was done. He didn't die on the cross and say, it started. He didn't say, I've got it most of the way, but you're going to have to finish it off, folks. Jesus hung on the cross, and as he died, he said, he said, it is finished, which means the work of coming back into relationship with God is done. The invitation is open. You can say to yourself, I'm not good enough, but, but Jesus is saying, I'm not even asking for that qualification. Jesus isn't saying, are you good enough? Jesus says, will you just follow i'm inviting you to be in relationship with me will you be in relationship with me jesus knew that you weren't good enough which is why he paid that price and settled the issue once and for all you see your value is determined by the purchase price you're not a used car that jesus is trying to haggle down you're a masterpiece because you are the master's piece You've been sold to the highest bidder. The highest price has been paid. Jesus already moved towards you and he's inviting you to drop what you're doing and to follow him. And now today you can take a step of faith, take a step towards God. See, making a decision to follow Jesus is called salvation and it's making a decision to follow him. It's it's not joining the church, it's following Jesus about accepting Jesus and choosing to follow him. Church, will you bow your head and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just pray for everyone here in the congregation, that everyone that's here, that's in this building, or if you can hear my voice online, God, I just pray for everyone that can hear my voice right now, God, that, that you would um, make it so real to them that, that, that they, although they may not be good enough, God, but you are. You've settled the issue. You've paid the price, and that you are inviting each and every one of us to follow you if you're here this morning and, and you say yeah I've been wrestling with with not feeling not good enough and I'm not going to call you forward I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you and everybody's heads are bowed but if you say that's where I'm at I've been wrestling with this and I've been battling with this and, and I need some extra prayer I want to pray over you specifically if that's where you're at we you just put your hand in the air and say yeah I'm, I'm wrestling with that right now I'm not feeling like I'm just not good enough and I'm just not Good enough. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, you've seen those hands. God, you see those hearts. And so God, I pray right now that, that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would just confirm to them right now in their spirit that God that you are visiting them and that, that, that you are there and you are ministering to them. God, I pray that for those people right now this morning, that they would know that, that you are with them and that you think that they're good enough enough to be in relationship with you. So God, I pray that these people would all just know that in their knower. You might be here this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Christ. Maybe you've, you've thought about it, you've heard about it, but you've never made a decision to follow Christ. Right where you're at, it just, you can just say this prayer. And so church together, will you just say this with me? Jesus Christ, I confess you are Lord. You died on the cross and rose from the grave paid for my sins. I surrender everything to you. Show me how to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Let's just celebrate for those who made a decision to follow Christ this morning. Amen, amen. If the ushers would come, we're going to actually receive our tithes and offerings. If you were a visitor with us, we'd love to get some information to help you get connected. And um, if you made a decision to follow Christ, I want to help give you the next resources necessary. Um, to, so if you check that off on the box thing and drop it and box it when it comes by, we'll help you get connected to resources. If you miss the bucket, there are actually a drop box in the back on your way out. With us. so in offering this is what this is for the people who call city church home we believe in supporting the mission and vision of our church and so we do this at an act of worship worship uh, offering is a is an act of worship and so we're going to sing one last song together while we worship so heavenly father we just pray right now over the offering as the funds come in i pray that you would bless them i pray that you would help them to have exponential impact right here in our city in jesus name amen come on church let's sing one last song as we leave this morning
1: i